to over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome. I'm Catherine Zox. Good morning. It's uh, 7 o'clock in the morning out there on the West Coast and uh, 10 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. I'm your social worker with a microphone on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. We have lots to talk about. Joining me this morning is Lauren Beller, my host, my co-host. She is my business coach, and she is the president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program that you can take in the comfort of your own home or office. You can do it online, teleclasses, great program. How are you this morning, Lauren? I'm excellent this morning, Catherine. How are you? I am great. I have I have to tell you this, because you know, both of us and anybody who's been listening for the past couple of weeks knows we're both moms, sort of at either end of the spectrum. That is correct. <laughs> I think of that often. I, I do, too. <laughs> That's what makes us a good team. But, Lauren, I was watching the Today Show this morning, and uh, Meredith Vieira interviewed someone uh, who just had a baby. I don't know if you saw the seg. But... I saw it on 360 last night. I didn't see it this morning, but it was also on Anderson Cooper's show last night. A 60-year-old woman gave birth to Twins. I couldn't believe it. And I'm, I want to know if there were her eggs or not, but I'm betting that they were because I thought the babies looked just like her. I think you're right. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Are they her eggs, donor eggs? Her husband on on the Today Show, her husband was sitting there. And he said that, it, well, they had interviewed him. He was all excited, naturally. He wasn't the one who had to go through nine months of pregnancy. <laughs> but she came, but Lauren, she came into the doctor's office, apparently, and she was pregnant. Now, uh, it amazes me that a 60-year-old woman wouldn't have gone through menopause already or that her eggs would be too old to be able to conceive at that age. She actually had, she had frozen her eggs years ago, and they're not saying whether they were her eggs that they, you know, retrieved or if they were someone else's. Oh, so they may have not been her eggs, but she carried this ba- these she babies. She did. Yeah, full term. What do you think about a 60-year-old mother, though? There's a lot of controversy Well, i got to tell you, it makes me feel young. <laughs> <laughs> You're a babe, a babe of a mother. We, Lauren's like 42 years old. She's got a baby. I always thought of you as an old mother. I'll have to take that uh, you have to title. You take it back. There's yeah. someone that's 20 years older than me. But, Lauren, it's not when, let's say she gets through the pregnancy and she's okay and she doesn't uh, have high blood pressure and all. I mean, it's a very dangerous process. I mean, I, I think at 60 years old, that's having had a baby's at 30 and still feeling like I was an old mother. But the thing is, what about at 70 having a 10-year-old or teenagers? Yeah, it totally changes the game, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, man. I mean... It, you have to have a plan, I guess, because I can't even imagine having 10-year-olds at 70. No, I can't. It's not part of my plan. And especially, uh, you know, it's one thing to have one. It's another thing to have two. She needs a lot of help. I'm sure she's going to have to have help. I yeah. really am. Yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine doing it any other way. But in, um, her other kids are 30 and 20-something, I think. And um, 29. She has a 29-year-old daughter. 
Yeah, I, I saw she, she, they said 30-something, so maybe she's got two. I thought it was a daughter and a son, but, um, you know, she's got backup if they're willing to. Oh, forget about <laughs> it. My, I can imagine my 29-year-old son willing to babysit. I doubt it. Oh, uh, but what uh, about the responsibility? I mean, do you think it's responsible? I mean, people are going to do it. If you can do it, we do it. You know, you're not going to stop people, but the, the ethics of doing something like that, the ethical responsibility. I mean, well, I think that I mean she had there was one point that I just thought was really smart, but and but all the rest I mean I really question it. I agree it's lots of lots of issues on both sides of the fence here. The one the one point was that she says she's wiser than she's ever been in her life, and what an opportunity to have influence on two young lives being so wise. And at the same time, you know, what will they? How will they manage? How will those little children manage having a parents that are in their sixties? You know, yeah, I don't quite buy that. I, 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 something it seemed to me that she wanted and, that she wanted to do it more for herself. Yeah, I, no, know, I did get that too. Doing yeah, that. kind yeah. of the challenge to do that. Some I don't buy the fact that she can have an influence on these two young lives. There are a lot of little young lives out there you could have an influence on if you want to, volunteering, mentoring, all that stuff. Mama Source, did, have you seen this new website? I have checked it out. It's, yeah. yeah. Very cool website. Well, maybe we yeah. should refer it over to the 60-year-old mom. She might want to be She's going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been all over the news, Fox News. Everybody's covering it. Mama Source, this is a website for mothers, uh, new mothers, old, I guess, move, you know, just be a mom. And they're all over the country. And you have to be invited to join the website. And it gives all kinds of information wherever, you know, whatever city you're in, whatever town you're in, in the United States, like if you're looking for health care, if you're looking for child care, uh, pediatricians, whatever, all kinds of, you know, whatever sources you need. And you can just hook into this Mama Source website and then they connect you to other women in your area. Let's say you move to a new city, like when you move to Austin and you don't know anybody and you don't know the, the resources, you move from Albany to Austin, you can connect with Mama Source, but you have to be referred. Yeah, you also can join just if you find it, like if someone's advertising it, you also can just join one if you stumble across it. But you can you have to invite, you, you don't have to, you also can invite more people, so it's a very much invitation-based type of website. They're, they're banking on that to increase the, increase the, um, participants. Yeah, but you don't have to pay for it. It's no, it's all free, and I think it's local businesses and national businesses are advertising. That's how they're supporting it. I think it's a great resource. My <laughs> favorite part of it is healthy eating for kid recipes. <laughs> all right, we'll talk about healthy eating for kids recipes. What's healthy eating for kids recipes? Well, sure. you know, it was like you know, rather than feeding them just you know macaroni and cheese all the time, what's an alternative? So you know, alternative ideas that get you know that they'll like and they'll eat and so funny because you know it's so easy to get into the same routine but the, yeah, but if the kids like it it's nutritious and they want to eat the same thing every day so be it well that's true but <laughs> i'm I, more practical i don't even think though that macaroni and cheese is so nutritious no, no not macaroni and cheese but you know peanut butter whatever if it's not poison because i think we've had problems we with have butter situation but um no i just think it's a great for me it would have been a great resource i've always lived in different every time i had a new baby i seemed to be in a new town oh, and really? to be able to yeah and to go to one of the to get online be able to do this call somebody you know can contact with other mothers especially like pediatricians you know that kind of stuff it's, a, it's a great for that i would agree with that you know to try to connect now i recently there's also a website called meetup.com and i recently started a meetup group for parents that are over 35 
you know, new parents over 35. Well, we got this mom who's 60 years old. She'd be glued right she'd for be, your group. Yes, yeah, she'd be jumped right in. I mean, do you have Although a feeling? she probably doesn't know how to use the Internet. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Don't say that. That's... <laughs> That's the baby boomer problem. You're right, but okay. So you've got you have to be over 35. How do you prove it? Do you just say I'm over 35? Yeah, there's no yeah, there's no proving it. It's just you know people that are over 35 and they know there's a difference. You know they're connecting to other parenting groups and they know I noticed when I tried to reach out to find parenting groups that wow it was a lot of younger you know women and it was just it was hard to connect and I thought. There's got to be a way to connect with other older parents that are, we're going to have more in common. And it was cool. We have like 10 people that are participating already. So how'd you get your group together? Older you just camp? post it. Yeah, you just post it on Meetup, and it's posted by city. So similar to Mama Source, but different. You know, Meetup is for everything under the sun, where Mama Source is cool because it's really focused. It's focused. But, Lauren, what about if you get a mama that you don't want? I mean, do you, do you have to um, <laughs> cut <laughs> Yeah. Them out. I mean, do you interview? What do you do? No, so you it's don't... just it's a casual thing, and you get together. You know, my job is to post an event once a month. So yeah, you might not like somebody in the group, but that's you know, it's part of the people. You know, it's just like going to school. Sometimes you're not going to like somebody in the class. But what if you get a crazy mom? What if you get somebody who really is a nutcase who joins the group? How do you handle that? That's a good question. I haven't had to deal with that yet. Thank goodness. <laughs> so you've, you've only had good moms. You got ten people in the group. Ten women. Yeah, and only I've only met a couple. I've only met two of them so far. What about if a single dad wanted to join? Is that that's a uh, great question? I haven't had that happen yet. Well, it's not, we, and it's not geared just to mothers like Mama Source. It's geared to parents, so it could happen. That would be interesting if you had a guy in the group because I think they have totally different experiences. I uh, my brother was very much involved in caring for his daughter it was a, they both both he and his wife and he used to tell me stories he would go to the pediatrician's office and when he would walk in they'd look around and ask him uh where is your wife uh and he would be what do you mean where is my wife i'm here i'm taking care of the baby and he had two girls and was always very uh put off by that uh, because the expectation especially when they were little that mommy was going to be there uh-huh. that wasn't necessarily true i mean he could Daddies can take the kids to the pediatrician also. I mean, that's changing, I think. It is changing. When I go to the pediatrician with my daughter, I oftentimes see dads with their kids, or only dads, not the moms. I see that. As a matter of fact, it's funny because I was there a couple of months ago for her 12-month checkup, and um, I saw a dad with his, I think it was a little boy, and I was totally impressed. Do you find that I sometimes think that the dads want you to be totally impressed? (laughs) Like they're doing a big thing. Hate to say it, guys. You can call in or email me. But I have been to the grocery store, and I see the dads, and they're singing, and they're dancing with the kids, and kind of making themselves very well uh, known. And they're dancing in the aisles, and sometimes even making a spectacle of themselves. I think, like, you know, here I am, a dad, and I'm taking care of my kid. I notice that a lot. I don't see mothers doing it. Usually they're... Do you, I mean, am I? Have you noticed that? Well, I do think I don't. I haven't noticed that in the world, out in the world, so much. But I notice when my husband takes Sierra for like an hour, it's like woohoo! Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I want to say yes, so yeah. You know, what's the big deal? But it, you know, it, to them, it's a big deal, especially when they're little. I think it's just more of a big deal for them. Yeah, they want recognition. We all want recognition. And- Lauren Keller, Catherine Zox, we want recognition, too. We're going to take a short break. We are, you are listening to VoiceAmerica.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. 
talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Between work and home, have-to-dos and want-to-dos, and exploring personal beliefs about ourselves and the world, there doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day to do it all. So how do we keep our mental and physical balance? On Living Well, Feeling Great, with licensed clinical and health psychologist, author and host, Dr. Peter Lambro, learn how to create a healthy and balanced work, personal, and spiritual life. Dr. Lambro and his expert guests explore the fields of hypnosis, nutrition, energy psychology, mental and emotional health, exercise, clearing self-sabotage, and other innovative pathways to manage life successfully and joyously. Learn to eliminate chronic anger, frustration, or disappointment, and hear about the techniques such as how to install positive beliefs. Living Well, Feeling Great with Dr. Peter Lambro broadcasts each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Living Well, Feeling Great, helping you reach your goals. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well-being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, and you are listening to The Catherine Zox Show this morning on voiceamerica.com, voiceamerica.com women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Joining me this morning is another social worker and also author, author of From the Heart, A Woman's Guide to Living Well with Heart Disease, uh, Kathy Kasten. Kathy Kasten uh, had emergency bypass surgery at the age of 42, and after that found her world shifting in unexpected ways. Everything, her sense of well-being, her relationships, her daily routine, even body image seemed to change. So it, welcome to the show, Kathy. This is uh, our second show together. Nice to have you back on again. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you you were so good, and you had such great information, and there's so much more to talk about, so we have more time this time. But um, is it, this is May. This is National High Blood Pressure Month, isn't it? Yes, and I think it's also health month. It's a stroke month. <laughs> May is busy. Yes. It's depressing. <laughs> it's, it's, the hope is to prevent stroke. <laughs> yeah, right. Prevent stroke, prevent heart disease. That's what it's all about. Exactly. You know? We exactly. have to take a positive. But, I mean, right, let's start with you. Because you had, uh, you had a heart event, and I learned that from our last conversation. You did not have a heart attack, but you had a heart event, and you had bypass surgery, and you were only 42 years old, married, young children. What ha- you, I mean, that had to have a profound effect on you, obviously. 
Well, and I'm an avid athlete, and I think for me, anybody who goes through an event like that, whether you're 42 or 52 or 62 or 72, it affects the way you think of yourself. And I, I just met up with a woman yesterday who has been reading my book, and she said, you know, the one thing you said that really struck home with me, and she's in her 60s, is that once you have a heart event, you no longer feel invincible. You know that you're immortal. That you're, you, you know, that you are this mortal human being. That life can be taken from you, and it's precious. And and she said that's the one thing that I have definitely related to in my own life. And it's interesting because that's kind of what happened to me. Obviously, it shook shook my world up all the way across the board. Never expecting, really, which is kind of strange for a social worker not to realize that this would happen. But but I think the age in which you have it, I uh, have to give. Would sort of put you in a situation or position like feeling, well, it's not going to happen to me because I'm only 42. And when you get to be, let's say, 62, other friends may have had more friends, heart attacks, right. strokes. So your expectation is that it could happen to me. But at 42, I think you have entirely different expectations, don't you? Yeah, I think, I, and I'm plus, you know, your kids are still, if you have kids, are, are still at home, and so those, those children are affected. But, you know, even people in their 60s, yeah, they may have other people they can talk to that have been there, done that, but their kids are affected as well. I mean, it affects the entire family system, no matter if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, or 70s even. I mean, I, I can tell you my father had a heart attack last summer, and, you know, he read my book and he said, you know, this applies to men too, Kathy. And I said, I know, Dad, but, you know, this is, you know, because he really, it shook his world upside down too. You know, he's been walking around like he's, you know, king of the world since he, you know, he's born. And he just now realizes that life is short. Yeah, and he's been walking around longer than you have thinking yes. he's king of the world. <laughs> so uh, yes. that's very true. Yeah, you're right. And I think that whole idea, it's not just a physical event and uh, and, and then you really carry that. That theme through in the book it's an emotional event as well and that whole issue of you know this is you, you emotionally have to heal as well as physically absolutely and it's very important that women realize that issues that we face when we have a health crisis are not to be taken lightly that we have to you know I, I think I told you before I really feel like we are in that sandwich generation you know we take care of our kids we take care of our parents and so, unfortunately, even though we make a lot of decisions in our families, our health care decisions, our, you know, uh, daily decisions, um, we don't necessarily take care of ourselves. We take care of everybody else, so we are the last on the list, and we have got to reprioritize where we fall, because that's part of what happened to me. I was so busy with so many things going on in my life that even though I was having symptoms, I never even shared for a year with my husband that I was having symptoms. Because What kind of symptoms did you have? I had, with exercise, I was having uh, shortness of breath, but I have asthma, so I attributed it to that. I had turned 40, so I thought, well, maybe it's because, you know, you hit 40 and everything goes downhill after that. Which and it does. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from me. <laughs> no matter what, it goes downhill after that. But anyway, okay, so you did. You had shortness of breath. A shortness of breath when I'd run. I'd have pain in my left arm, radiating down my arm when I'd be in my master's swim class. I'd come up some steps, I'd feel real fatigued and think, gee whiz, what is going on? And a lot of it, you know, again, I attributed to all the stressors. My mother had just passed away, we had just moved, 
you know, which is a huge stress, and, you know, dealing with my three boys, um, you know, all of those kinds of things were just huge in my life, and I just kept thinking, well, it's got to be all the stress. Kathy, did you share it with anybody? I mean, you didn't share it with your husband. I didn't share it with anybody. Not even another girlfriend? or So you kept it? No, I didn't, and it wasn't until, I mean, I was with some girlfriends when I'd have these symptoms, and, um, you know, I just, and they thought, well, it's just, I'm out of shape or, yeah. <laughs> or that I have the asthma. They, you know, none of us really realized what was going on. Denial is so powerful when yeah, you're denial, ill. Yeah, very powerful. That's So you were into denial. Didn't I was want to deal with it. Yeah. very into denial. And I think, and everyone else was into denial that was around me. My friends were into denial. My, my husband was into denial. The physicians I saw, I saw two cardiologists before I got diagnosed properly. And then I had to see a third cardiologist to get treated properly. So, so, Kathy, what would be advice to women who are experiencing the same kinds of symptoms that you are so that they don't, you know, a year, you were lucky uh, to, you know, to be able to take care of it, be healthy, and, uh, but what... I'm lucky what to you, be here, period. Lucky to be here, yeah. Uh, I, the advice is don't do what I did. Uh, pay attention to your body. Listen to what your body is telling you. You will have signs and symptoms if something is wrong. Don't delay. Go see somebody right away. Go see a physician, a health care provider you trust. Talk to them. Be honest with them. Tell them what's going on. If there's any physical change at all, you need to talk to somebody. And don't wait because if you wait and you have a heart problem, you may not be as lucky as I've been. Kathy, what would you say are the main differences between men and women in terms of after you've had a heart attack or an event and you have – because I think there are some gender differences. I mean, even you know, like your father said, well, you know, they're reading your book and it's so true. It applies, I think, to everyone who has uh, suffered a heart attack or an event. But there are still some differences with when, when mom has a heart attack or mom has a heart event. Right. And, and the differences are similar to what I said before. I mean, women are notorious for taking care of all of these different things in their life, all these different people, all these different experiences, and they're in charge. So frequently we don't pay attention to ourselves and we're, we're so busy focusing on other people. The other thing is that women in general are twice as likely to be depressed any time, even any given time in their lifetime, and that's huge. And once you have a heart event, women in particular, have, uh, over half of them end up with anxiety or depression or a combination of both or other mental health concerns. And if you think about it, that's 8 million women who have heart disease and that are living with heart disease in this country. That means that 4 million of them or more are living with some sort of mental health concern. And, and that's certainly going to have an impact on your family if you're the person who's in charge of taking care of the family or young children. So you really need to address that issue. Do women do that? Do they take themselves to a therapist or a social worker, or do they tend to try to, you know, just kind of uh, tell their out? bootstraps up? Yeah. That's what they do. Because the, the reality is of the 4 million women, less than 2 million of them get treatment for mental health concerns. So that's a huge number of women who are out there suffering with depression or anxiety that don't need to be because the vast majority of, of women or men who have any kind of mental health concern, if they go to a therapist and they get on, you know, they talk to a therapist, they get medication management, if they have a combination of both, the vast majority of people get well. And the, the thing that's really tricky about heart disease is that if you have a mental health concern and you have heart disease, 
the, the incidence of you doing well physically is not good because what happens is obviously if you're not feeling good emotionally, you don't take care of yourself. You aren't going to go do the things all the mandates your doctor tells you to do that all of us know we're supposed to do, eat well, not drink too much, not smoke. All those things go under the, you know, get buried because you're not dealing with the mental health piece, and that's really important. And, of course, that's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your kids dramatically if, if mommy's not getting up in the morning or mommy's not cooking dinner or daddy's not helping because mommy can't, <laughs> you know, participate in the relationship. You know, I mean, it's it's it's... It's very devastating to families. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. So you have to take responsibility for your own health care. Right. Uh, that's important. And then, in turn, it, you're taking responsibility for your family. What about sex after a heart event or after a heart attack? It's scary. It's very scary. And women, you know, it's hard enough being middle-aged and having sex anyway. That's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> we do agree on some things. <laughs> It's not I mean, easy it's, after 40, yeah. No, and you and you don't look at yourself the same way. I mean, how many of us get up in the in the mirror in the morning and say, God, you're gorgeous. <laughs> you know, those wrinkles just prove the greatest life that we've lived, you know, is, is right there on your face. Well, no. I mean, most of us get up and are brutally um, mean to each other, to, to ourselves in the mirror. I mean, you know, and we have to change the way we think of ourselves. And, and, and part of what happens, though, is you couple that middle life crisis so to speak that women face with a heart event it's devastating so many of us don't want to have sex we don't want to be physical we feel undesirable we feel that you know our partner isn't going to desire us especially people like myself who have um scarring you know it's 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 very disruptive to relationships so it's it's again it's about turning our thinking around you know looking at those wrinkles as you know um lines of courage and fortitude and seeing those funky hairs that grow in weird places and saying you know that th- that's okay that's part of growing older it's okay to be who i am seeing those scars as badges of courage you know, those are all things that it's all about our mental health. How how are we looking at the way, you know, we live our lives? How are we seeing ourselves in that picture? And I think it's all about communication, too. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, I want to talk about that, being able to communicate with your partner. Absolutely. All of these fear, and I think a lot of it, uh, there's also fear. Besides not thinking that you look attractive, being fearful that you might hurt yourself again right. or that you might have another attack, or right. and also your partner feeling that way, too. Joining us this morning is Kathy Kasten, and she is author of From the Heart, A Woman's Guide to Living Well with Heart Disease. Uh, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, The Catherine Zox Show. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-living women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. 
Journal. If you can't call mom, call Chat with Women. Real advice for real life from real women. And they keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat with Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Finally, radio that has real depth. Voice America Network. listening to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, and you are listening to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com women. And joining me this morning has been Kathy Kasten. She's also a social worker, author of From the Heart, A Woman's Guide to Living Well with Heart Disease, which is something she has done and has uh, told her story in the book and also stories of many other women. Uh, you interviewed, I guess, hundreds of women for this and told their personal stories, over 100 women for your book. But, Kathy, before we took the break, we were talking about, and I think this is a big issue. I, I bring it up because I think... Uh, after someone has had a heart attack or a heart event, you know, sometimes the perception is, well, you should just be grateful that you're alive. Well, I'm sure that that's, obviously that's true. But then you have to get down to the the real activities of daily living. And one of them, very important, when you're in your early 40s or at any age, is sex. And to be able to talk about and communicate with your husband or your partner and some of the issues that come up. Now, you mentioned physical, you know, not feeling like you're attractive anymore or feeling if you've had a scar because you've had surgery. But don't you think there's a fear factor too, afraid that Absolutely. You, yeah. I mean it's 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 very difficult. And part of the problem, uh, no offense to all the physicians out there, but um is is the doctors don't talk about sex with their patients. You have to you know, it's it's almost up to the the onus is on the patient to discuss with their health care provider about sex. And I, I hate to say that, but it's really the truth. Doctors are just are not always comfortable discussing it. And it's important for us as a patient, you know, all of us want to have sex. And so what do you do when you go to the doctor? And I've worked in hospitals as a social worker, and I do agree with you. I mean, many doctors have difficulty with their own sexuality, let alone talking to patients about their sexuality. So say you have a doctor, a cardiologist, great physician, you like him or her uh, as a physician, but can't discuss sex with you. So where do you go? Where do you get support? 
Well, the, first of all, you can always talk. Usually, in a physician's office, there's, there is uh, there are other healthcare providers there. There usually is a nurse practitioner that works with, and usually people start asking right after surgery. So it may be that they're in the cardiovascular surgeon's office, so they can talk to their healthcare, you know, um, nurse practitioner, which is really very helpful. Usually, I find. The nurses tend to be much more on top of it. The other thing that patients need to do is make sure that they get into cardiac rehab. And once you get into cardiac rehab, the great thing about cardiac rehab is it, it both helps you physically and emotionally to heal once you're there. And the people who usually monitor and work in those centers are fantastic at talking with patients about sex. Right, so they've been trained. I remember when my father had a heart attack at 49, and he was 10 years older than my mother, so she was only 39. And it was in those days when the doctor came to the house. Yes. And I, and I remember him examining my dad, and I remember their conversation, him asking him about when he could have sex again, and sort of this deadly silence. You know, I was listening uh, outside the door. I shouldn't have been, but... <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. But, no, I mean, good for your dad. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, that is, is the comfort level of your physician is very important. And if you find that you're not getting the answers you need, then I would suggest that you go to another physician who you feel comfortable with, who you know you can trust. You can get on our website and talk about it as well, www.womenheart.org, and talk to other women who've been there, done that. But all of us should be cleared from our doctors first before we even think about having sex. And sometimes it's hard because they are the ones who have to clear you for actually to, to be able to go back to having sex. So they're know. the gatekeepers. They are, and everyone's different. And, you know, all of us are on different medications, and that can affect us sexually. All of us uh, have different outcomes after a heart event, so that can affect us sexually. There's just too many variables, and it really is important that they have to talk to their health care provider. And if they don't feel comfortable with the one they have, then I would suggest they get another one. Don't be afraid to change. To. Yes. Because there are a lot of options out there, and you just you brought this up, and I wanted to talk about it because you are I don't are you still president? I know you were past president of Women Heart, uh, the National Coalition of Women with Heart Disease, a very important group uh, and a resource for women out there who, who who want to for information and who want to join. Yes, and I, I'm still president. I'll be president until through December of this year. But, um, yeah, it's a fantastic website. It has all sorts of information on it for women and their families. And the greatest thing about it is we have a blog site, so you can get on there and communicate with other women who have been through this. And it, it makes you feel that you're connected to something important. It makes you feel that you're no longer alone, which is a huge issue for women or men after they have a heart event. And, uh, you know, the studies show that women need those friendships, need that social support to get well. And so that's part of the healing is, is, is engaging with other women and talking to Did them. Did you find, Kathy, that your friends that you had before you had your heart event um, were supportive of you? Did they understand what you were going through? Or did it put some kind of a dist distance or disconnect between Well, you? it was interesting because some of my friends hung in there. But I'm sure, as you know, and most women out there who are listening know, women can be kind of funky when it comes to illness. <laughs> And We're very too. complex. We've got a lot of issues here. Yeah, and so sometimes, you know, and I tend to, you know, and I hope none of my friends are listening, but I tend to <laughs> to, to um, be interested in women who tend to be very self-absorbed. So it's, it's, it, 
that's my problem, and I'm I'm working on it. But <laughs> basically, so when you get sick, you know, you can't be there for some of your friends anymore. I mean, on the level that you were. And part of it, I think, is is my husband calls me. I'm a fixer, so I pick people who need to be fixed, and that's that's highly problematic on a lot of levels, especially if you get sick, because you can't fix anybody because you have to fix yourself first. And so that's what, you know, that's, it did cause some friction with some relationships. Some relationships um, ended that needed to end. Yeah, some and of them you just have to say goodbye to. I'm not surprised you're a fixer. You're a social worker. I'm a right. fixer, too. Yeah. Right. And it's, that's who we are. That's what we do. So you do have to, so you did. You Some of those relationships were not healthy for you, and you had to terminate them. Exactly. And, the, and, and it's been, it was actually um, a huge relief for me. And I didn't realize how much of myself I was putting into those relationships. And I think a lot of that comes with middle age as well, is that we realize, why are we wasting our time with these people? (laughs) Why are we spending so much of our energy and our emotions on on people who, first of all, don't want to be fixed, and second of all, really are not true friends? So what I ended up with, you know, after everything synthesized down, is some fantastic friends who are there for me, who um, I'm there for them and they are there for me. Yeah, so it's a healthy relationship. Absolutely. I mean, uh, on all levels, and not you know, emotionally healthy for you, too. They don't enervate you. I mean, you don't need to be enervated. Kelly, what would you say, if there is anything, and I, I think there are because this is what I hear from you, but what's the positive that came out of all of this? Well, the positives for me personally were becoming an advocate. I mean, I couldn't have, I think part of what ignited my passion was recognizing the issues that are out there for all women with with hearts, which is every woman, obviously, and that all of us have to pay attention to our hearts and, and do what's right to stay healthy. And so it ignited that passion in me, and I've been working, you know, with women and families and and talking all across the country about this for now for five years as a volunteer. And I'll tell you what, I, I am not alone. We have what, what I call boots on the ground in most communities, well, not most, but a lot of communities across the country. We have 43 support networks across the country of all heart patients who um, actually go out, talk to their communities about heart disease, do kind of what I've been doing and do it well, and then grab other women to come into those support networks, we don't sit there and whine. We sit there and grow from this. And that's yeah, well, you're not a victim, and you certainly don't sound like one. And, and uh, I mean, you, you, proactive, I guess, is the word that comes up. There are 8 million women living with heart disease in this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're, it actually they're predicting that within the next uh, 10 years there's going to be anywhere from 12 to 15 million women living with heart disease. Why is that? Because there are more people or because we're doing the wrong things? <laughs> it's a comp- that's a very good question. I think what, what really comes down to it is that our technology is getting better. I don't know if you've been reading in the paper, but, you know, more people are living once they are diagnosed properly and they are treated properly. So when you're living with heart disease, you're actually living with it. You're not dying from it, which is a good thing. So part of it is the, where, where medicine has come. Part of it is the awareness of women now that heart disease is the number one health you know, risk, and so women are, t- are becoming more proactive and doing what they need to do to save themselves. Um, the other piece of it is that, of course, we still have a huge problem in this country with obesity, um, and, and because there's so much obesity, we, of course, have more diabetes, and if you have more diabetes, 
you're likely, you're twice as likely to have heart disease. Uh, so this so is, heart disease is really proliferating. So yeah, unfortunately, yes. And it's but also because of the baby boomers. I and mean, the baby boomers. There are 78 million of us baby boomers. So, yeah, so you have a lot more people. And also, I think, and we've only got a couple minutes left, but uh, for some reason, women are always, or at least in my experience, more terrified of breast cancer than they are of heart disease. And they're so concerned that they're going to get breast cancer and kind of, you know, don't think about heart disease. Or, or uh, At least that's been my experience with my friends and my family. Right, and uh, and we're improving that. I mean, we have now 57% awareness in this country. But unfortunately, if you put the 57% into a room and say, how many of you will this will how many of you will be affected by heart disease? Only 13% will say that they will be affected. So there's and those are probably women who had heart disease in the family, where there's a genetic component. Right. I mean, it's it's really un- unfortunate because women have to realize. Uh, you know, that this can happen to them, that, you know, it's one in 30 deaths for breast cancer. It's one in three for for heart disease. All right. We're going to say goodbye on that note and recommend <laughs> <laughs> that ladies, women, men, everyone, get your book. It's a wonderful book, uh, and it's called From the Heart, A Woman's Guide to Living Well with Heart Disease. Lots of information, lots of referral sources, uh, excellent book. Thanks so much, Kathy, for being on the show this morning. Thank you for having me, Catherine. Great to have you. Kathy is also a social worker. Kathy Caston, From the Heart, A Woman's Guide to Living Well with Heart Disease. I'm Catherine Zox, and I'm your social worker with a microphone, The Catherine Zox Show, and you're listening to Voice America Women, voiceamerica.com. about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of youthful aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and what Welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, with Dr. Norm Shealy. And discover for yourself the secret of the fountain. Whether you're a weekend warrior, an elite athlete, or a want-to-get-fit-this-year kind of person, there's an athlete in all of us on Everyday Athlete with certified personal trainer Ann Parker. Get inspired to reach the next level of fitness. Ann and her guests, including former and current pro athletes, coaches, and a variety of medical professionals, discuss the latest in training techniques for all athletes, from sports nutrition, physical therapy, balance, and agility training to injury prevention, functional training, yoga, Pilates, and team communication and covers it all whether you want to lose that holiday weight get ready for your wedding day train for the next walk run marathon or compete in the olympics everyday athlete provides the know-how to keep you eager excited and motivated with the latest and healthy training techniques everyday athlete with ann parker broadcast each tuesday at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness channel everyday athlete tapping into the everyday athlete in everybody 
We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Joining me this morning is Kate White. She is author. She is an author, an editor, and a speaker, but she's the author of her new book, Lethally Blonde. She's editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine, one of my favorite magazines, Mother of Two. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Kate. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. What else do you do? It's I don't have much in the way of hobbies, I have to say. I know. I, I, I see you, you don't, well, you cook, I guess, occasionally, but you don't quilt, you don't knit, you don't... Right. Yeah, well, well you don't have... It's, it's, I had to let something go if I did this dream of writing mysteries, so I kind of decided, well, I'll make that my hobby, and I won't ever perfect my tennis game or come close to perfecting it. And <laughs> but how do you find time well, how do you find time to write, though, Kate? I mean, and when did you start? I mean, here you are, editor in chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine, um, and then you decide, well, I'm just gonna now I, I'm gonna write mystery novels. No, <laughs> well, like a lot of women and men too, I guess I, I had more than one fantasy about what I wanted to do. Like I always dreamed of working in magazines, but I also wanted to write murder mysteries. I love them since I read Nancy Drew. And I got to a point where I thought, if I don't make it happen, it's not going to. My kids started sleeping a little bit later on Saturdays and Sundays. And, and now that they're teenagers, they sleep till noon. You know, I have to beat them with a rubber hose. To yeah, get you them can up. let them sleep all day and you can get a novel done. That's right. And yeah. so that's where I started. I started doing it and letting go of some other things that I might do and just said, if I want to do it, I'm going to have to give up my Saturdays and Sunday mornings and, and do it. And you did it, and your books have been so well received. I mean, you know, New York Times best-selling author. Tell us about, tell us about the Lethally Blonde. Although, don't tell us too much because it's a page turner. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, Bailey Wagons is the, the heroine of all the books, and she's a, excuse me, a, a celebrity. Uh, she works for Celebrity Magazine, but she does crime stories there. Like whenever somebody like Paris Hilton ends up on the wrong side of the law, she would cover it for the magazine because she's experienced doing the crime stuff and uh, an actor she knows is in a show called Morgue kind of a CSI show comes to her because another actor on the show plays just a minor role but is a pal of his has gone missing and he asks Bailey to help him find this guy and as so often happens in murder mysteries somebody ends up dead and there's a dead body for long and Bailey tries to go through the list of suspects and figure out who did it so it's a little part thriller, murder mystery, and probably chiclet, too, because there's some romance in there as well. Great book, and yeah, it is a page-turner. One of those that you sit on the t- train and you, you know, I go back and forth from uh, Albany, New York, to New York City, and I couldn't put it down, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well, so Bailey is the 30-something uh, heroine in the uh, store, in, the, in mm-hmm. the novel. Is any of, are you Bailey, or is there any connection? People often ask me that because I think, you know, my sense of humor is a little bit like hers. 
I think Bailey's the outsider I always wanted to be. You know, there's a part of me because, you know, I play the corporate role as the editor of a magazine, but there's a part of me that's a little bit of freelancer at, at heart. And so Bailey can say that irreverent thing, that mocking thing that I often can't say. And well, so, do you have to be, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's my show. Uh, you have to have that Anna Wintourish attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try never to have that. But for me, it's more that I just I don't want to say something that's going to get me in hot water because you've got to be careful not to step on toes. Where Bailey doesn't worry about that. You know, she can say the irreverent thing. But she's she's much gutsier than me. In this book, she goes into a house that doesn't smell so good, as in maybe there's a dead body in there. And I'm just thinking, I would never do that. But she's pretty fearless. Yeah. So you don't take physical risks. Maybe uh, emotional risks or intellectual risks, but not physical risks like Bailey does in the story. Yeah. And the novel. I feel editing Cosmo, I've had to be a risk taker because sometimes you have to push that envelope with the covers and make things a little provocative to get people to buy it or want to read it. And I don't mean just with sex, just the whole notion of you've got to you've got to tempt someone across the supermarket to buy your magazine. So I do have to take risks on a more cerebral level, but I'd never take the physical risks that, that Bailey takes. So she's your alter ego, your id. She's the girl I'd like to be some days. <laughs> now getting back I just want to getting back to, to Cosmopolitan uh, because you know, talk about taking risks, but what about within the whole organization? I mean, there are always those younger girls, you know, you see this depicted on the television, you know, waiting to take your place, waiting to get your job. You always have to be looking, you know, looking, looking back. You know, one of the things that I find interesting is that, believe it or not, even as much as we hear the Gen Y group is very entitled, that I wish some of the women on my staff took bigger risks. You know, we had a job open up not long ago, and there was someone on the staff. We were waiting for her to come forward and say, I want that. And I think sometimes we we have this sort of good girl gland. I, I once wrote a book on that, and it's I find it surprising that young women still have that. We sort of think, well, I don't want to bring it up because they might get mad or they know I want it, so why should I have to tell them? They'll think it's funny if I bring it up. But I think you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and know that people respond to that usually in a very positive way. So you're saying that the Gen Ys are not, don't take risks. They're not the same kind of risk takers that, say, baby boomers are. They you know, are. Yeah, they, sometimes they don't take smart risks. Like we, there was a Gen Y staffer we used to have um, a year or so ago, and she would just c- kind of storm in and, talk about this and that and what she wanted and and I think she probably thought hey I showed them what I wanted but it wasn't so much the smart risk like coming in with a bold new idea that's going to knock my socks off that's the kind of risk I want someone to take not tell me how much money she deserves (laughs) (laughs) but my next question is I know that you go you are a speaker and you go around speaking to many different kinds of groups and one of the things that you talk about are the six best things that you learned at Cosmopolitan. So tell us, if not six, just three. That's Well, one of the ones that I think is probably one of the best things, I, uh, I, I picked this expression up from a, a young woman on my staff. She said, 
friend of her is a party animal and uses this expression, go big or go home. And it just means as long as you're out there, have one heck of a good time. But I realize it's a great model for life, that as long as you're going to invest the energy and the time in something, go for the burn with it. You know, go to the max and put your effort into making it as good as possible. There's something else that I learned before I got to Cosmo, but I didn't apply till I got here. I used to be the editor of a business magazine for women, and there's a strategy a management guru taught me called you've got to drain the swamp at the same time you slay the alligators. And what that means is you know, the slaying of the alligators is the sort of day-to-day stuff you do, in my case getting the magazine out the door, and the draining of the swamp is that big picture stuff. And that helped me do a great job at Cosmo, always booking in time to think of where am I going long-term with the magazine. But I think women should do that with their lives, too. Make sure there's a time on Saturday where you just spend it alone with a cup of coffee and ask yourself, gee, am I where I am? Am I where I want to be right now? Is there anything I'd like to be doing that I that I that maybe I could squeeze in the time to do? It's hard when you have kids and work, but just even a few minutes alone can really help you get a handle on it. So, Kate, in other words, you're saying have some kind of a vision. Just don't get bogged down in the daily activities of whatever your position is, but you've got to think about where you're going. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to right. be in ten years? Exactly. And where your own little area in your workplace, your own department, um, you know, what are your goals? Um, what are your personal goals career-wise? But also just what are your goals as a woman and as a person? You know, maybe if you sat down, you would say, gee, I'd like to find a way to do more volunteer work for my kids' school, that that's something that I, I see as part of the big picture for me because life goes by so quickly. You know, you're picking up the dry cleaning, you're cooking dinner, and all of a sudden you realize a whole year went by, a whole summer went by. And if you have that little bit of time where you look at the big picture, it helps you to see what might be missing. Yeah, that's great advice. That's the best advice I've heard in a long time. I want to make sure that our listeners know also where they can get your book because it's a great book. It is a page-turner. It's fun. And go to your website at katewhite.com. Right, and uh, you can read aren't you, You're going to be at Barnes & Noble tonight, aren't you, in, in the city? Yes, I'm going to be at Barnes & Noble on 82nd and Broadway, and I'll be giving a little talk about writing. But if anyone would like to read the, a chapter of the book, it's on my website, katewhite.com, and they can decide whether it's the thriller they want to be reading over Memorial Day weekend, and I hope I hope they will pick it up because I think it's a good beach read. It's a, I was just going to say, take it to the beach. If we have good weather, and, and go out to the beach and, and read the book. And go see you tonight at Barnes & Noble, and I uh, can talk to you uh, uh, in person. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing this because rather than a reading, I'm not much of a good reader, but it's uh, I'm going to give some thoughts about writing that I learned at Cosmo, which uh, I hope will be interesting. Well, you're an inspiration to all of us and also to a lot of those young women out there, and I hope the Generation Ys were listening to the show today. <laughs> <laughs> have a great day and have a good, you, a good time tonight. Yeah, great talking to you. Thanks so Thanks. much for being on the show. Same here. Kate White, editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine and author of Lethally Blonde. You've been listening to The Catherine Zock Show on VoiceAmericaWomen.com. I'm Catherine Zock. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.